Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. time to say this. Welcome back, Bears fans, to the Chicago Audible Bears postgame show. I'm very excited that you've turned in, and it's been over, what, 200 days since our last postgame episode? And just moments ago, the Bears did lose to the Carolina Panthers. I'm not even going to state the score because the score does not matter. It is preseason. But regardless, we saw a lot of good things from a lot of the young Bears on this roster, and that's what we're here to talk about today. I'm Russell DeWitt, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and before we dive into the first quarter of our show, I have two quick announcements. One, longtime co-host and good friend Brandon Hazlett has resigned from the show. Uh, He's busy planning his wedding, building a house, uh, and everything else that life has to offer, so we're wishing him the best. So, Nick, it's just the two of us. How do you feel? I mean, obviously, I would love for Brandon to be here, and, you know, when I came on, it was you two, and then you took me in, but... Like you said, uh, Brandon's got a lot going on. Uh, wish him the best of luck with everything. But I think we, we got this. You know, we're professionals here. We, we definitely got this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, wishing Brandon the best with everything that uh, he's well, not going through, but what he's about to be experiencing in life. And moving forward, Nick, I'm excited for the future of the podcast, you and I. And again, we're going to be leveraging our writing staff as well to sub in from time to time as a third host. But primarily, it's going to be down to a two-person show, so stay tuned for all of that. But on top of that, second announcement, and I want to get into this post-game show. I want to thank you all for helping us hit our goal. We did receive over 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we really do, really do appreciate uh, everyone who took a moment to share their thoughts on the show. So real quick, reviewer Doug Father, please send me an email, will at chicagoaudible.com, to claim your free Bears jersey. All right, let's get back to business. We have a preseason of breakdown for crying out loud. A big preseason game, week one, Bears-Panthers, and let's enter the first quarter of our show, and we're going to talk about my monster moment. And for me, it's going to be, of course, David Montgomery's first touchdown run at Soldier Field, first of many. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. I know he's going to get one in the regular season as well, and we're going to call that one his first touchdown. But just to see him uh, on that drive as well, as effective as he was, uh, for me, that's a monster moment because I do believe he is going to be a very special running back here in Chicago. And to have him get his first ever touchdown in Soldier Field tonight, to me, is going to be 
my monster moment. And let's go over to you, Nick. We're changing up your segment a little bit this year. No more Nick Snack or Nick Snack. We're going to call it the Moriano Minute. So what's going to be your Moriano Minute? And we're just going to continue this segment, and we're going to continue it with talking about David Montgomery. I think on that one drive that you were just kind of talking about, Will, with Montgomery, we saw it all from him, the elusiveness, the vision, the ability to catch out of the backfield, to make plays that are supposed to be, you know, maybe negative yardage uh, situations into positives, which we saw in that touchdown run from him. That was supposed to be an inside run. You had Bradley Sal come on uh, a little bit of a motion to block for what would be an inside run, but Montgomery saw the outside opportunity, took it, and took it for a touchdown. I think that's what you love to see out of the Bears' first selection in the 2019 NFL Draft. You saw it all from David Montgomery, and that's just the beginning, honestly, from him. And I think for Bears fans, you should be excited just from the few opportunities that Montgomery got in this game, he was able to capitalize on those moments and make the best out of them. And that's what you're going to get out of David Montgomery, just being a back that can really do it all. And again, the the sky's the limit for him in this Bears offense with Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator and obviously the head coach. But there's some good things that David Montgomery showcased in this first preseason game of the season. And it only should be better moving forward as he gets more opportunities to really show what he can do in this offense. I think it's going to be the David Montgomery first quarter of the show because coming up next right now is my stat of the game. And for me, it's going to be David Montgomery, his averages, 5.3 yards per carry, 10 yards a catch. He also counted for 41 of the team's 49 yards on that touchdown drive. And Nick, you mentioned it. I mean, he was showing uh, everything why you called him the Bears' perfect running back all the way back on March 5th when you're looking at this draft class. You already kind of pointed out all the reasons, and they were on full display. The vision, his speed, his ability to break through contact, all of that was on full display today. David Montgomery, especially on that drive, it was all him, and a big reason why that's going to be my stat of the game. And going back to you, and I don't even know what we're calling this segment, calling it Audible, something about Audible, uh, to introduce this new segment of the show. It's a play or a decision that we wish that could be taken back or changed. Uh, if you have any suggestions on what to call this segment, definitely throw it in the comments because I'll be paying attention because I'm struggling. We came up with this a few days ago, and right now it's calling it Audible, but I'm sure we can do better. So definitely uh, you know, brainstorm a bit and let us know what you think. But Nick... If you had to call an audible from today's game, tonight's game, what would that be? You know what? It's actually going to go go to the kicking situation. I want to see if Elliot Fry gets that attempt at that 48-yard field goal that Eddie Pinheiro missed. What is, what's the result of that play? So if we can go back and change something, give Elliot Fry that opportunity. Because I think overall today, obviously Elliot Fry made his uh, – his attempt at the one, the 43-yard field goal, which was, I think Bears fans were just cringing at the opportunity leading up to that that kick. Oh, 43 yards. He got ice, but Elliott Fry nailed it. Now I want to see what could happen if you could go back, put him at that 48-yard uh, attempt. What does Elliot Fry do with it? We all know that Eddie Pinheiro missed it, missed it to the left. And even that 23-yard that attempt, it would look a little iffy from, from Pinheiro. But going back, what happens if Elliot Fry gets that 48-yard attempt? All obviously in hindsight. But that's something I would like to see. They can go back, change some things. What's the result of that kick? For me, I'm probably going to do uh, Matt Nagy uh, challenging that non-PI call. Even though it didn't change the game in his preseason, I don't still like that they can challenge those yet. I don't know. Maybe I'll come around to it. 
Um, but the ability for you to challenge a non-call, it gets so subjective. And for me, it's just one of those, it's preseason. I get you're maybe testing the refs, testing to see what you can kind of get out of this. But for me, I just want that game to kind of roll along. And any other <laughs> kind of, you know, break you get inside of it is one that I wasn't fond of. I'm an Eastern time. It's 11 and 10. And like in the fourth quarter, when uh, Matt Nagy called a timeout as well, uh, when the Panthers were driving here late, I was like, why? Just let the clock run, please. But luckily, uh, wasn't too far after that. But if I had to go back, definitely the just challenging a PI. Again, I'm still not a fan of it, but maybe I'll come around as the season goes on and, of course, the future of the NFL. But last but not least, to wrap up the first quarter of our show, Nick, who's going to be your MVP? Is it, are we back to David Montgomery? I think we're back to David Montgomery, just seeing what he was able to do with his limited opportunities and just really showcasing everything that we, as advertised from David Montgomery, elusive, can has good contact balance, can catch out of the backfield, knows how to get into the end zone. I think he's really deserving. Maybe Elliot Fry is another guy that could be possibly the MVP, but you just got to give it to David Montgomery in this first preseason game of the season. I have David Montgomery down here as well. I mean, we could maybe talk about Ian Bunting there, but I don't think that is most valuable yet. I believe Montgomery, accounting for about 85% of the yards on that touchdown drive, uh, proves some value, proves some worth, and that for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and give him my MVP. I do want to see him do it against some first-team defenses, of course, coming up here in the very near future, but just to see what he's able to put together here in his first ever Chicago Bears game is definitely uh, enticing to say the least. So David Montgomery is going to be the consensus MVB from week one of the Chicago Bears preseason. Up next, we're going to dive into the second quarter of our show and tell you everything that you need to know about the Chicago Bears offense. Uh, but first, real quick, got to call a timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So what makes SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better price a process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, rate each on a scale of 1 to 10, display each ticket on an interactive seat map, which I really enjoy, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Now, as you know, everyone here at the Chicago Audible, we use the SeatGeek app on our phones and our devices by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets over the years. We've used it to buy White Sox, White Sox tickets, Chicago Bears tickets for the Bears-Chiefs game coming up here on December 22nd. So if you're looking at any Bears tickets, heck, even preseason, I'm looking at going to the Bears-Colts one because it's an hour away from my house. Definitely going to be using SeatGeek to pick those up. Whatever you want, definitely check out SeatGeek. And the best part of all, and here's the kicker, and no, not Eddie Pinero or Elliot Fry, this is a third kicker. SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. And that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S. Use that, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty. I'm Russell DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. This is our first post-game show of the 2019 season. But this is practice. I'm stumbling over my words a little bit. I'm a little tired. But that's what preseason's all about, Nick. So getting into the second quarter, looking at the Bears' offense, what surprised you the most today? You know, I think what was surprising just in this game in general was the 
the bad performance from Rashad Coward at that right tackle position. I thought this is a guy when I was watching camp, he looked good at that spot. And uh, he's a guy that I see all the time at bears fit. He kind of always is putting in the work. He's just kind of blocking the punching bags. But today these weren't punching bags ever coming after his quarterback. These are opposing players. And there were times where these, these defenders for the Carolina Panthers were, you know, getting to where they wanted to on Rashad Coward. And I thought that was really surprising because I thought he did have a good training camp and was someone that you, when we were watching the, the backup offensive line play, Rashad Coward was a guy that stood out because he was performing well. In this game against the Panthers, he had a couple of plays where he was giving up sacks or he just looked late off the line of scrimmage, off the snap. So I was really just surprised by the play of Rashad Coward. Hopefully he can, you know, bounce back from this uh, in the second preseason game, but I was I was just surprised overall by um, his bad performance tonight. Yeah, that one was a little bit of a letdown. And speaking of letdowns, I guess what really took me by surprise was the lack of production from any of the Bears' wideouts today. Uh, at the end of the third quarter, Devon Wims was the only Chicago Bears wide receiver with any sort of you know production. He had two catches for 15 yards. And then in the third quarter, you got uh, Thomas Ives going a little bit with the three catches for 28. Uh, Taquan Mizell as well, two catches, 21 yards. But overall, for all the talk about the Bears' wideouts and how deep this position is and how, you know, from the top down, there's so much talent. There's guys on the bottom half or even on the bottom of this roster and that depth chart for that position that could have made the team, you know, two years ago without any question. And I still believe in the talent of this position of maybe we're trying to hide it that could definitely be the case but when you don't see a guy like you know Riley Ridley even when we get in there uh, Emmanuel Hall the same kind of deal guys start wondering if the Bears are trying to hide those guys because of you know all the depth all those tough cuts we're gonna have to do because Javon Wims even though the two catches 15 yards didn't really you know blow anyone out of the water when he's out there and he's running routes and you're paying attention to him he looks the part of an NFL wide receiver. Big body, knows how to use you know, that body to create separation. And when he's uh, catching those balls, he knows how to go ahead and uh, gain additional yards after the catch. Uh, when he's out there, he just looks like well, uh, way more polished than I guess he was a year ago. And to see that growth is very exciting. But the overall lack of production from the wide receivers is going to be what kind of stood out to me. Nick, really no general way we need to go about this. You and I want to keep this as open-ended as possible in the preseason. But did anyone besides Rashad Coward for the bad, who stood out to you uh, for the better today? You know what? It, it's kind of the better and also the bad as well. But Ian Bunting, a guy yep. that we've seen uh, in training camp who was repped with the first team, second team, third team, I would say he had a really up-and-down day. There's a, there's a bunch of plays where I have in my notes where Ian Bunting gets a reception, stays on his feet after contact, right? But then maybe after that he puts in a bad block where mm -hmm. I think Chase Daniel is able to get hit, but then he'll come back again, have another reception. And then after that, there's another bad play. So so many ups and downs for Ian Bunning throughout the night, but I think the bears like the upside with him. A lot of the things were just maybe the blocking the, the mental errors with the holding or the false start for me and Bunning, but he was able to stretch the field vertically. And I think that you can live with that because of, again, Adam Shaheen dealing with the injuries and maybe Trey Burton also having some of the injuries in the past. You want to have someone that you can maybe rely on in the passing game, but Ian Bunning stood out for both being good and be both being bad. You, you, you took the word right out of my notes, literally. I was talking about the roller coaster night that was Ian Bunting. Like you said, good play, followed by... It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo. 
and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And maybe a couple bad ones. Returned with another really good play as well because a lot of those catches, uh, he had some tough catches. He was able to stay on his feet, gain additional yards, really fight for yards. That's a theme that I saw a lot of bunting today. He's really good at fighting for those extra yards. It did cost him on one play, uh, the one that he was fumbled on with that peanut punch uh, late yeah. in this game as well. But, again, you talked about the good plays. You talked about him being an option in the middle of the field down the seam as kind of a deep threat, which is something that we have never seen from Adam Shaheen. And, and it's, you know, out of Adam, he's been a guy that, what, we've he's made his living off those one-yard touchdowns. But you've never seen him open up a defense like we saw Ian Bunting do tonight. Uh, and then on top of that, I saw him pancake a guy late in the fourth quarter as well. So, again, up and down, Ian Bunting. And even though it was up and down, and I believe that uh, you and I are hoping for uh, you know, a cleaner game in week two out of Ian Bunting, do you believe that he made a very strong case tonight? Because we've talked about it in camp that he has been making the most of opportunities. And I think despite the poor you know plays that we saw out of him, for an undrafted free agent in his first ever NFL game, I'm okay with the mistakes as long as he learns from them, and I'm really excited about uh, the positive things that you know we already discussed that we saw out of an Ian Bunting tonight. What do you think? Yeah, so I I want to see more from him, obviously, and him, like you just alluded to, limit those mistakes. But like you said, he was an undrafted guy, played his uh, college ball at Michigan and at Cal. So I don't know. I, I think coming into this train camp, we weren't really expecting much from Ian Bunting, more maybe like a Dax Raymond for sure. But I think it is encouraging that he was able to stretch the field vertically. We know how much Matt Nagy wants to use these tight ends in this offense. And now going into year two, I bet you he wants to find other ways, other players to really do that. And if Ian Bunting can limit those mistakes and, you know, just capitalize on the opportunity that he's given and just catching the ball, making those receptions, it's a guy that you can maybe look at realistically making this 53-man roster. It's going to be a stretch, but it's somebody that's going to be enticing if he's still if he's able to you know build off this performance and then limit the mistakes moving forward. Looking at running back real quick, I'm curious to uh, who stood out to you. I think, of course, we already talked about David Montgomery. If you want to talk more about him, I'm not going to say no though. Uh, additionally. Ryan All, only the 1.6 yards per carry. Uh, the Bears' second-team offensive line wasn't playing, you know, really well, so I understand that number. But when you jump up to Kareth White Jr. with that extra speed, you see the difference it makes. He has six carries for 35 yards. That's about six yards per carry. What did you see out of the Bears' backfield tonight? Obviously, uh, we didn't get much of Montgomery. We had a good drive out of him. Uh, Mike Davis played for the first drive as well with those three carries right at the gate, which started the game. That was all Trubisky's plays. Uh, but what did you see out of the backfield tonight for the better and for the worse? Yeah, so just in general from the backfield, how Matt Nagy was kind of using the running backs, you saw there were some empty sets and where these running backs were put in the slot and running just out routes. Ryan Nall caught a nice reception on an out route. Just seeing how Matt Nagy was utilizing the running backs because he has some more versatility there than 
you know, a year's past where it's just been Jordan Howard. And obviously we know that you can't really split him out wide. But I thought that was interesting just to see how Matt Nagy was kind of utilizing them. But going back to Kareth White, I liked what I saw from, one, his vision and able to bounce things outside and utilize that speed that he has. He had a couple of nice runs, and that's why he ended with 35 yards rushing on six carries. And I think that's something that we, we expected to see out of Kareth White, but we really didn't see much out of that in training camp. So it's good to see him go against a different opponent, bounce things outside, use that speed, finish runs. And that's what you kind of want to see out of him. And Ryan Nall, there was a couple runs where he's still moving his feet, trying to gain those extra yards and just being someone that's hard to take down. Um, I think that's uh, encouraging because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace back into care said that this running back room was a strong group. And he saw bits and pieces there of Montgomery, Kareth White, Ryan Nall. Even Taquan Mizell had a couple nice runs back there, even though he's a wide receiver going back to his running back roots. So I think overall the running backs did some good things. Uh, I think blocking-wise it can be improvement, especially from Montgomery. I think there was one where – well, he was kind of overwhelmed. I think I the say, center what would you do there? He had two guys yeah. in that hole. No one else picked up the other guy as well. I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're Montgomery in that play. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, again, that's got to be maybe just a communication thing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's probably – it wouldn't have worked out regardless. But you just want to see him and maybe just make a, a better block there on whoever he decides to you know engage with. But overall, I liked what I saw from the running backs and how they were being utilized throughout the night. For me, looking forward, I'm excited to see more of Kareth White. Like you said, we didn't get to see a lot of him when we were down there in Bourbon A uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And I know he got a you know a minor injury. Obviously, he's healthy now, back at it. But the speed out there it reminded me a lot of Tariq Cohen. Maybe not to the same exact degree, but that speed was on display today. And his ability to change direction and how quickly you know he can move laterally as well as vertically is very uh, it's fun to watch. And honestly, I want to see more of that because. Ryan all as much as a lot of listeners probably love him. It's a little boring to watch play sometimes, right? Which again, <laughs> not everything needs to be sexy. I understand that, but Kareth white out there, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I think Jonathan Wood on Twitter mentioned it earlier as a response to your article about the five various players you're watching, but he added Kareth white because he said key uh, speed kills against scrubs. And I think we saw that here late in the game as well. So good observation pregame by Jonathan Wood. Uh, other than that, on offense uh, looking at the line, uh, very first drive, uh, James Daniel, Cody Whitehair. I really liked uh, the big hole that those two were able to open up for uh, Mike Davis. Uh, I saw Whitehair speed able to you know go ahead and go across the hole, hit the defensive lineman, and drive him back. I mean, that was fast. And then James Daniel's ability to just bulldoze the guy right through the second level. I've opened up a big hole. Other than that, I mean, I talked about second and third team. They struggled. That happens. That's preseason. That's never really pretty. Um, but for me, the other one, you talked about Rashad Coward. So the last note I have, Alex Bars. Great to see him out there because the last time I saw him, he was going off a of practice on a cart. Hurt as an e-contusion. Obviously, wasn't that serious. He's back out there today. Uh, played the vast majority of this game. I think he played every snap after uh, starting with the second series. Um, but even though I did note a couple plays in which he struggled, overall, he did look strong. He was pushing guys back. And for a guy who does have a history of knee injuries, that bottom, that lower leverage strength was something that I was wanting to pay attention to out of bars. And it really uh, seemed like it wasn't an issue whatsoever. Anything else from maybe the offensive line kind of stand out to you? Ted Larson pretty much played the whole game, uh, which was one that stood out to me. 
Yeah, and actually, he was somebody that I wanted to mention because on the David Montgomery screen, I think it was the second or third down play, whichever one it was, uh, he got out in front of that screen and made a nice block to kind of spring Montgomery forward to get enough yards to get that first down. So I did note that uh, just as a good play from Ted Larson, and he did play a majority of the game. Um, also, I did notice in the it was the first team offense. It was I think they had a third and one. Uh, they faced a third and one opportunity. There just wasn't enough push there from the offensive line. Mike Davis again maybe could have done a better job of trying to get that one yard, but there wasn't much push. You know, from that first starting unit. Again, they don't have many opportunities to be out there. And I think if you have a Kyle Long in there as well, maybe that outcome goes a little different. Maybe you run to the right guard instead of the left guard in that situation because you have Long in the game. But that was really the bigger, I guess, the biggest takeaways from the offensive line play. Uh, really, we already hit on it. Rashad Coward not having a good night was, again, the most surprising thing. But nothing uh, too glaring from the offensive line. I think second and third team units didn't have the best days. But uh, I think when you see that first team unit and what they can actually do, that third and one opportunity next time, I'm sure they'll go get it. Do you have any other individuals on offense that you want to make sure that we talk about today? Trying to think about it. I mean, obviously we mentioned not a lot of pro- uh, production from the wide receivers. And I thought that's what we were going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Javon Wims had a couple of catches. Uh, but I think, you know what, someone that we should mention, even though the play didn't count for anything, Marvin Hall got behind the defense today. Yeah. There was, a, there was an opportunity where Tyler Bray, had he just thrown the ball out in front, Marvin Hall's in the end zone for a touchdown, and the Bears have six. Maybe they end up winning this game. Who knows? But that was something that we consistently saw throughout training camp. Number 13, Marvin Hall was getting behind the defense, regardless if it was the ones or twos. He was getting behind there, and you know Bears quarterbacks were targeting him. He was targeted today. Didn't end up as a completion because there wasn't enough on the ball, but I like that I saw that from Marvin Hall, and we saw him at punt return. We saw him, I think, I believe at kick return, but being utilized, um, you know, not only on the offense, but in the special teams. Had Tyler Bray just put a little bit more on that ball, that's a touchdown for Marvin Hall. Ooh, you're a poet. Yeah, that that just kind of happened. I didn't even know it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm All right. Let's go ahead. Let's look forward to uh, some storylines that maybe you and I are following from this game over to next week. You talked about that deep wide receiver unit that didn't do much of anything. I want to know, can others start to kind of get involved and make plays? I'm assuming we're going to see some starters next week. Don't know exactly which ones yet. Of course, we probably won't even know until about an hour and a half before kickoff who we're going to see. But I want to see if they can kind of get that position rolling a little bit. Uh, David Montgomery, obviously he was able to do some stuff against that Carolina second team defense. Will he get a chance against the starters? And if so, how does he look? Based off of what we saw tonight, I'm really not envisioning anything different. I think this is a very uh, it's a universal talent. I don't think it was him. I mean, he was better than most of the players in the field at the time. But I do think when he's up there against some first-team defenses, actual NFL defenses, he's going to be able to do some more of the same. And then Ian Bunting, again, up and down, roller coaster type of day, can't even correct his mistakes. I think he did start to you know, stake his claim a little bit today. I mean, when you lead the team in receiving – uh, and he was very efficient when targeted. That's exciting. Uh, I saw, that obviously, he needs to work on some overall blocking, understanding his assignments a little bit more. But overall, I think Ian Bunting needs to take this opportunity and continue to build upon it. Uh, those are my kind of three things that I'm looking at for the offense. What about you? When you're looking at what you saw today, transferring it over to preseason week two, what are some of those storylines from Nick? 
Yeah, so back up, uh, Rashad Coward. How does he bounce back after having a bad initial preseason game tonight against the Panthers? Because I think he is better than what he showed tonight. So I'm going to be paying attention to how Rashad Coward, uh, you know, is able to come back from tonight's performance. Also, uh, just with Kareth White, let's see more carries from him. He showed some good things, some elusiveness, some ability to get to the outside and utilize that speed. And then you you mentioned it as well with Ian Bunting. So I'll go a different route with the tight end. Bradley Saul, we saw some some things from him, but I think I want to see more from him to see that he is a legitimate tight end in this offense. Because, yes, he had a couple of blocks. I know he had – I think it was a penalty that he had up as well. But let's see him in the passing game because he's going to be asked to go out for some passes at times. Uh, I want to see if he's actually going to be able to do that against a an opposing defense. So those are some of the things that I'll be watching going into week two on the offensive side of the ball. All right. We went through an entire offensive discussion without even talking really about the quarterbacks, Nick. I feel a little weird about this. That is right. I mean, when Trubisky, what, has five hand- Is that what it was? Three Four handoffs? Hand- three. Three handoffs. Oh, wow. Three I'm handoffs. giving them too many. They were great handoffs, by the way. Just, you know, fluid uh, and everything. But uh, so we'll go to Chase Daniel, who I thought did show some good things in the two-minute offense, being able to drive the Bears down the field. Um, and then there was Tyler Bray. There were times where he, he kind of reminded me of Mike Glennon, which was Ouch. obviously not – yeah, I know. It, it's not – Good to say, but again, he's playing with backups, but there are just times where he threw the ball and there was just nobody there. Maybe that's just the only option for him. Again, you're not going to really be asking much from your your third string quarterback. You're just hoping that, I don't know, he can somewhat run the offense, complete some passes. There were a couple errant throws, some overthrows, underthrows. So we saw it all from Tyler Bray. Not much good, but. Yeah, that's maybe why we kind of skipped over the quarterbacks today. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Bray. Obviously, it could have looked better. I think he did look better a little bit last preseason than we saw tonight. Yeah. Again, they don't get a lot of reps at practice. They are, you know, they're on the bottom swing of those. A lot of, you know, hodgepodge, I would call, lineups there throughout practices as well. So it's hard to kind of build some chemistry with some of these guys. Um, but overall, like you said, some miscommunications. Uh, my big knock were throws that he actually made two receivers. The ball placement wasn't, uh, you know, great. But again, third string quarterback, I'm not going to sit here and gripe. I was using them, uh, both Daniel and Bray, as an opportunity to uh, evaluate some of the other players on this roster uh, on top of that. So for me, uh, I think that's going to do it for offense. Unless you have anything else that kind of jogged your memory. No, that's about it for the offensive side of the ball. All right. Entering the third quarter of our well, preseason week one postgame show. Let's go ahead and talk about the defense. And, Nick, just like we started with the offense, uh, with the defense, anything surprise you tonight? I wouldn't say anything was surprising because we knew that Chuck Pagano was going to be more aggressive. And I think we just we saw that throughout the entire game where there were just a little bit more blitzes. Sometimes they worked. I noted one time here where Chuck Pagano calls a blitz and the Carolina Panthers had a screen for it. So that's where it can hurt you when you are a very aggressive-minded defensive coordinator wanting to bring extra defenders. If an offensive coordinator just times up perfectly, you are going to get you know some good yardage against you. But overall, I don't think anything was surprising. We saw the Nichols still blitzing. You saw Roquan Smith blitz on that very first defensive series. I actually didn't get a chance to see that. I was just driving home, but I got to see the replay. But I, I wouldn't say anything was overall too surprising on the defensive side of the ball because I think we anticipated Chuck Pagano being the defensive corner that he was, just being more overall aggressive-minded. Yeah, for me, I guess for the biggest surprise was something that we didn't even see, and that was Buster Screen. 
I thought he was going to play, or I thought he should maybe play, based on what we saw at training camp. I know they sat a good chunk of the starters, but when you have Roquan Smith playing, you have Eddie Goldman playing, uh, I saw HaHa Clinton Dix playing. I don't know. Does Don't you think Buster Screen kind of warrants maybe playing out there? Did you think he actually earned that starting job so outright that he can sit here week one? I didn't. No, I don't think that was the case. I just feel like they maybe wanted to give other guys like Duke Shelley more of an opportunity to play that nickel position because he is transitioning from the outside to the inside. I don't think it's that Buster Screen is so far ahead of everybody at that position. I still think, again, he's the front runner. But I wouldn't say that now. He, again, a night off. Uh, a lot of players did didn't see the field tonight. But I, I have a feeling that we'll definitely see Buster Screen in the preseason at some point. Okay, all I'm gonna say is the guys that were out. And I'm not gonna count Kevin Tolliver. He was sick. That's an illness. Doesn't count. Uh, Prince Mukamara, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, Dane Trevathan, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks. I don't know if he really belongs in that company. Uh, I be, I'm sorry. I'll wait, I'll wait to see it. I'll change my mind later. But based off what we saw in camp, he, that, he doesn't belong with the Eddie Jackson and the Khalil Mack or the Leonard Floyd or the you know Danny Trevathan to sit out this one game. I think he needs to prove it in a game situation. Me personally, I, again, you can say it was something else. We I don't even know what it was. I'm not in there. I have no idea. But for me, uh, Buster Screen, even though he's had an up-and-down camp, I still think I would like to see him out there, at least for a series, just to see him out there. Um, but other than that, getting off that uh, kind of segue, over to you, Nick. Uh, anyone on defense stand out for better or worse? I have a bunch of notes on defense because the defense, uh, starting with the defensive line, they're so deep. They're so talented. They play, no matter who's out there, first through third string, they, are, they have a nasty temperament about them, and I love it. Yeah, they do have a nasty temperament, but I'm actually going to go in the secondary – Deion Bush had a great game tonight. He was everywhere on the field, whether he was filling his gap in run support, breaking up passes on opposing tight ends, just jumping routes to get an interception tonight. Deion Bush, you know, is Eddie Jackson's rubbing off on him a little bit back there, being able to make these type of plays. And it's good because the Bears, again, you never know if they're going to have to count on him to come in. Maybe uh, he's using a dime package to kind of, have instead of maybe that nickel corner, you bring in another safety. The, the, all these things could definitely happen. And I think we saw some really good things from Deion Bush and just his overall play today. And he did play obviously some some reps last season as a starter when Eddie Jackson went down, but he had a really good game tonight. I liked what we saw. And we saw some good things from him in camp where he, when Haha Clinton Dick started on the pup, Deion Bush was the guy that filled in. So I really liked what Deion Bush was able to do against the Carolina Panthers. Nick, you don't know, but here on the live, I'm playing with our new software, and I'm able to put comments from anyone on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook Live, and interject it uh, directly into our stream, which is really cool. And then I can just exit it out, I guess. But uh, I think it was Travis. Uh, yeah, Travis Weed, one of our moderators, that said that the Lions got blown out tonight, and I threw it up in our live stream. It was real big over my face. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so I had to throw that in there. Oh, wait, so I can't see that over here? Oh, I see it on the YouTube, but okay. I'm looking at the Skype one. There it is. I see it. Lions got blown out tonight. Ah, that's great. All right, so we're playing with some new tools. That's always fun right here in the fly. So again, that's what preseason's all about. Uh, for me, two people that stood out, and that really surprised me that they stood out, and both of them play defensive line, and both of them are not starters. Nick Williams, he was in the backfield mm -hmm. a lot. I saw him lay the smack on the quarterback. He was always just getting around his guy, getting to the backfield, penetrating that pocket collapsing, condensing plays right from the get-go. 
and then I thought it couldn't get much better. And then Abdullah Anderson yeah. comes out of nowhere, quarter three throughout the rest of the game. I mean, he's getting in on tackles. He's getting good pressure on the quarterback consistently. Uh, every time he is making a tackle, it feels like it's behind or at the line of scrimmage. And then there's a run for like nine yards, and he's chasing the guy down from behind. So Abdullah Anderson, who I know has uh, you know, some experience fighting to make you know either the Bears roster or his claim to you know maybe make another team happy, which wherever he ends up, I think he is going to make some other team happy at one way or another, really stood out today in the second half. Both of those guys, I believe, deserve a shout-out on the show and some credit for what they were able to do tonight. Nick Williams obviously was a good depth piece for us last year. Uh, had a good preseason, um, but just to see him and Abdullah Anderson play to the degree that they did uh, when they had their opportunities to me was uh, very encouraging because it shows you just the depth on this defensive line where a guy like Abdullah Anderson uh, can ball out like he did, and he probably still doesn't even have a chance to really make this roster when you're looking at the overall talent, the overall team, and I don't think off the top of my head he has practice squad eligibility, uh, so that's a very tough situation for him. But, uh, yeah, that's what I have on the defensive line. Anything else uh, up there while we just kind of stick with this position real quick? Yeah, no, I have the same two guys that really stood out to me. But Nick Williams is being getting reps with the ones at training camp. So uh, ha- seeing him able to get into the backfield and make plays really wasn't too surprising because, again, he's getting those reps with the ones and showing why he can be a contributor on this Bears defense. And you mentioned Abdullah Anderson was a guy that also made a bunch of plays. But maybe just kind of jumping now to the second uh, level of that defense, the linebackers, I thought there was some inconsistent play from the inside linebackers. And I'll start with one of the inconsistencies. I think Joel E.A. Buniwe was a guy that, again, had his ups and downs throughout the night, but that touchdown that he gave up, you just want to see Joel be a little bit more aggressive. He allowed that runner, I think it was the running back out of the backfield, to kind of attack him as opposed to Joel going forward to try to make the tackle. It ends up being a touchdown. And I think just being around Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, that mentality to just kind of go after the football, go after the player, should have should be in him, right? Just being around those his position players all the time. That was kind of disappointing to see because I know – that first initial day of pads that they put on in training camp, he didn't have his best day. But since then, he's been doing better. But then you see him out in this game, the inconsistencies. And he is only a second-year player, but I guess I was just expecting a little bit more out of Joel E.A. Buniwe. Yeah, I did too. And the touchdown that he gave up, the lack of the attack mentality kind of confused me because when you're playing a linebacker, playing that position, you want to attack downhill. But instead, he kind of just stood his ground where he was and let the running back come to him and was ran over, and it was an easy touchdown. And, again, preseason, and it's an easy play to, you know, overlook. But if that's week one against Green Bay and he's out there for some reason and he allows that to happen, that can change the game. And you have to go up there and attack because if you do that, even if you force a first and goal at the five with this Bears defense, that could very well be a field goal. So you can't give up any easy yards, especially that close to the goal line. Uh, you're talking about linebackers, so I'll stick with them. Uh, Nick Lukowski, I thought he was – noticeably slow in coverage yeah. behind his guy a lot. A lot. Every time I saw him around the ball, he was chasing. Uh, then you have Kevin Pierre-Lewis, another guy that I thought played really well. Actually, that's very something I want to talk about here, uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. He played early on in this game, and then he kind of handed the reins over to Josh Woods and uh, Iggy as well. So I'm wondering where Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who does have NFL experience, is starting to kind of, you know, uh, solidify his spot in this roster. I'm really curious on how 
that's all going to shake out because they had a tackle for a loss, another good open field tackle. I saw him getting in another tackle on punt coverage as well. So he's starting to show that he can contribute on special teams. So uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, which I'm kind of shortening down to KPL, uh, really surprised me today because he was someone that we heard his name often out of camp, but I didn't envision him to come out here, play at the twos, and really play as well as he did. And then Josh Woods, I mean, he had that forced fumble. He was all over in the second half as well. Nick, when you're looking at Josh Woods and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, do you think Nick Kwiatkowski is starting to sweat a little bit? Uh, I, I I would say that's a pretty good way of putting it because when in this league now, these inside linebackers need to be able to cover, and that's not Nick, Nick Kwiatkowski's strength. Like you said, it, he was chasing guys late to react on some of these drag routes across the middle, and – at that position, you need to at least ha- be in a better position than Nick was because he just wasn't anywhere close to some of these receivers. And uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who's now going into his one, two, three, four, sixth uh, year in the league, he understands some of these NFL offenses, knows what's being asked of him from the position. And then you have a Josh Woods who's making some plays. I thought there was also a couple plays where he was a little bit out of control, but mm-hmm. at least he's able to make a forced fumble and, you know, get in, get in on some tackles. Nick Kukowski, he look, I don't think he's going to just magically get better in pass coverage. That's just not who he is. He's more of a downhill uh, fill his gap in the run game. So, it's not a lock that he obviously will make this team, but I think, you know, you have Joel and Nick as maybe the backups, but you don't want to see Nick in pass coverage. It's just not his strength, and it's going to hurt the defense overall. Let's jump back to the defensive line real quick. I'm curious your take on John Bullard and Roy Robinson-Harris. I thought both played decently, but Nick, we say this every preseason, don't we? <laughs> we do say it every preseason. Roy Robinson-Harris uh, made a couple of good plays tonight, and so did Jonathan Bullard. But now, I mean, I think from the unofficial depth chart, they're all they're both behind uh, Bilal Nichols now. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how this this uh, preseason is going to shape out. But like a guy like Nick Williams, he continues to make plays. He's repping with the ones. I would say right now for the odd man out, it would have to be Jonathan Bullard. Would would you agree, or would you say Roy Robertson Harris is there? I mean, they both have not shown much in training camp, and like you said, they both had a somewhat decent game tonight. But I just feel like Bullard's like the odd man out in between these two. Between the two, yeah. Bullard flashed less, even though I would say when he was out there, he didn't have a bunch of tackles, but I did see him in the backfield more. He did have a tackle for a loss. Um, but I thought I saw Bullard in the backfield more than maybe we have in the past. Um, and then my second note on him is that he looked like a chubbier Julius Peppers with that dark visor on in huh. the number 90. So that shows you what kind of day he had when I'm actually taking the time to write that in my notes underneath Jonathan Bullard. But then, yeah, Robertson Harris, of course, he had a little bit of a bigger day to tackle for a loss when he pretty much was able to, you know, beat the offensive guard and get that running back right there on third down, force a punt. Uh, he also had a huge hit on a sack that he had where he was able to bull rush, walk back to center. So if I had to choose between the two, I still like Roy Robertson Harris uh, in terms of the upside that he provides. Uh, I like the speed again, and I know that Bowler's a bigger guy, and I'm not knocking him for his overall speed, but when I'm watching him run, it seems like more times than not, he's chasing. Uh, but yeah, that's what I got from those guys. Already talked about Williams and Anderson. Eddie Goldman playing surprised me a little bit. Did it surprise you that they actually had Eddie Goldman playing? I thought with someone like him, he would have had the day off like most of the other starters, but I'm assuming that he's playing for conditioning purposes being a bigger guy i don't know i'm just speculating but were you surprised or not um 
You know, I was really just surprised that Mitch actually played today. That's why I put it in the in the group chat. But I don't even know when people are playing or not playing. I guess I, I just don't know what to make of it. I, obviously, it's nothing big if the starters playing for a little bit. And we talked about Buster Screen not getting reps. I don't know what's going through the coaching staff's heads, who played, who doesn't. So I really don't even know what to make of Eddie Goldman getting some reps in this game. It is what it is. Obviously, if you know, just come out healthy. That's all that really matters. So get those limited reps, get out, and that's about it. I see Jesse on Facebook Live is asking our thoughts on the kickers. Jesse, we're going to get to that just here in a few minutes when we enter the fourth quarter of our postgame show and talk about the Bears special teams. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the secondary. You already talked about Deion Bush. Obviously, everyone knows that he had a really good date game today. Uh, for me, I thought John Franklin the third is continuing to show some really good growth and some development at the cornerback position. I noticed two plays in a row early on. Uh, that he really stood out. Uh, he had a good break on the ball and then a good open field tackle to force a fourth down. Carolina didn't convert on that fourth and short, uh, but still, nevertheless, he was able to you know, make that tackle, force the fourth down. I uh, also noticed, uh, I don't know if you did, Nick, but he is playing both outside corner positions, either the left or the right side. He's not kind of anchored into one spot there. And then on top of that, when I'm watching him play and I'm watching him in coverage, John Franklin the third. There's never too much room between he and the wide receiver. He's pretty much right on his guy at all times. Did you see the same kind of things from JF3? Yeah, oh, JF. Now we have all these little acronyms right. for all these players. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, John Franklin III, he's been making plays in training camp, and he made plays tonight against the Carolina Panthers. There isn't much separation that he's given up to these wide receivers, and he's pretty quick on making these secure tackles. There was that one – it was a third down and one play where he's able to, you know, stop – or I don't know if it was third and one, but he was able to stop the the Carolina Panthers short uh, from getting that first that first down. They end up getting on fourth down, but he was there in perfect position, makes a nice wrap up tackle, is able to stay with his receivers. John Franklin third continues to impress. That was one of the guys that I was going to definitely keep an eye on in this game against the Panthers, and I'm like what I'm seeing from him so far, especially because he's gone through so many position changes. Was on last chance you. There's all this hype surrounding him. Out we know he has the speed, but he's really just taking this role at the cornerback position, literally ran with it, and is playing pretty pretty well. Yeah, I mean, last year he was, you can tell, so overwhelmed, so raw. Oh, and yeah. And, of course, he was able to stick around, practice squad, continue to, you know, hide a little bit in the shadows last year. And then we saw him at camp, and we're like, whoa, this is like a, a totally different player. And then we saw him in the game, and I'm like, whoa, he took another step. It's really incredible to watch Don Franklin the third continuing to uh, progress, develop, and I really like him as, you know, maybe not a guy this year, but maybe a guy next year to kind of compete with a Kevin Tolliver for that maybe that eventual Prince of Mukamara replacement that we've been talking about here for a couple of years when that time kind of comes. When looking at some of the other guys, uh, Duke Shelley. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Clifton Duck, Michael Joseph, did uh, any one of them stand out to you? I have some notes on them. No one really blew me out of the water, per se, but... Some good things, some not some good things, I would say, from Lee Shelley and Duck today. Yeah, so I'll go. With, I'll start with Duck. I thought early on 
he was just giving up a lot of short routes and able the Carolina Panthers were able to just continue drives. But I think as the game kind of went on, he got a little bit better, was able to stick closer to the receiver. But again, an up and down day, if that's that could be said for a lot of these Bears players in this first preseason game, up and down days. Duke Shelley, I know he had, you know, one good play. And then there was a it was a third down pass attempt where he's in good coverage, but still the receiver is able to make the catch, extend uh, the drive. So he's he's there but now the next step how can he get into a better position to maybe bat that ball away or you know just make the receiver not come down with this reception so that's all i really have on on those two guys nothing big uh from them but again just inconsistencies throughout you know the entire bears team for some a lot of the guys here yeah i mean it can, again preseason it's never going to be a perfect you know that's why they do these games anyhow uh clifton duck i mean for the early portion in which he was out there, I thought he was kind of getting eaten alive underneath, uh, kind of yeah. like what we saw happen with Kevin Tolliver last year. Again, smaller guy. I think I saw someone in the YouTube chat saying he needs to gain weight. Absolutely. He is a very – he is a little undersized there to position. But he, when he was challenged deep, he did put himself in good coverage. So like you said, some good, some bad. I thought he got better with more playing time and as the game went on. So that's a good sign in terms of the game experience, learning from it. And, of course, gaining confidence out there. And then Duke Shelley. I mean, I thought overall I liked his aggressiveness, uh, especially near the line of scrimmage. He's also taking some good angles to the ball. Uh, his closing speed was on display from time to time as well. Uh, so those are some positive things I saw to Duke Shelley. And then Jonathan Mincy, real quick, thoughts on him as a safety? I saw, I, got, I saw the sack, but I don't know if I'm seeing it. Yeah, he was also out of position. Again, it had the play been stopped earlier, I forget. I think it was number 50 or one of the linebackers out of position on the last touchdown of the game that went to the left side. Mincy also misses that tackle. So that's all I have from him. I don't know if that's going to be something that works out. But, again, there's three preseason games to kind of solidify him at that position. But nothing really stood out for me for Jonathan Mincy. All right. Now, on the offense, you and I talked about some storylines to kind of follow through. So I think it's only appropriate to kind of you know do the same here for the Chicago Bears defense after one preseason game. Again, I think you and I have done a good job of not overreacting to anything that we saw tonight, which is, you know, kudos to us. I think maybe two years ago we would have been a little bit more not heated <laughs> in what we had to say, but a little bit more passionate. But I think we understand now just how little that we actually see here in one of these games but in terms of storylines what are a couple on your radar from this week to next week and of course just looking ahead yeah just staying with or going back to the inside linebackers the play of joel ea buniwe now in year two and also nick akowski how are those guys being able to you know man the middle of the defense whether it's in pass coverage or now joel going up and being more aggressive the next time maybe he gets that opportunity to make a tackle on a running back. That, those are two guys I'll be watching for. John Franklin III and seeing if he can build off this performance at that cornerback position because he's shown some really good things throughout you know this game tonight and also in training camp. So I'll definitely be watching that. And also just at the defensive line level, I didn't think I'd be writing down that Abdullah Anderson's making a bunch of plays. Is he another guy that continues to flash throughout the preseason? Because there's a lot of times where I'm saying Anderson, Anderson, writing down Anderson. So those are just some on each level guys that I'll be paying attention to moving throughout the preseason. Anderson reminds me a lot of what Nick Williams was doing last year. And it's a very exciting. I just, if they like Nick Williams enough and he's been in the system, then it kind of makes it, very difficult for Anderson to make this roster. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's really 
showing uh, and giving himself a very strong case. We'll see if that kind of can continue here uh, throughout this preseason. But tonight was definitely a good start. Uh, otherwise, for me, uh, you know, JF3, John Franklin III, can he uh, keep up this play? Can he actually get a little bit better now with some playing time and be a little bit more aggressive? Maybe make because he's making some good breaks in the ball, but can he be a, just a split second faster, maybe come away with an interception or get a tip pass that becomes a turnover? Plays like that would be a great sign of continued progression out of him. And maybe this isn't a storyline, and it's something I forgot to talk about earlier, but I wonder, did you notice that the Bears were putting one of their edge guys in a three-point stance a decent amount tonight, putting their hand in the dirt, uh, either one side or the other? It wasn't really consistent, but instead of having both guys being stand-up rushers, more times than not, or maybe at least 50%, I saw them putting one edge guy hand in the dirt, which was something that we didn't see a lot of last year out of Vic Fangio. So it's another one of those Chuck Pagano things. And again, maybe it's just week one preseason. He's just doing something just to do it. And it means nothing coming to regular year. But it's something that I paid attention to, and I'm going to kind of see if it continues or if it was just something that he wanted to toy with here uh, week one and see what the depth pieces can do in a new kind of position. Good eye there, Will, because I, I didn't notice that, but I know that Khalil Mack, was a, when he was with the Raiders, he was definitely a guy that they like utilizing in that three-point stance, so it just wasn't a stand-up rusher. So maybe knowing that you have the number three best player in the NFL, maybe try to get your other guys to do this as well. So when it comes to whatever defensive coverage Chuck Pagano wants to throw an opposing offense, he has that flexibility along his defensive line to maybe put his edge rushers in that three-point stance. Absolutely. All right, Nick, let's enter the fourth quarter and final one of our first ever postgame show of 2019. Technically the second, uh, but we're not going to talk about the one in January, especially not here in August. But getting into the fourth quarter, we always begin with a quick hit on special teams. So, Nick, over to you, uh, Eddie Pinero, Elliot Fry. I think those are the two big focal points that we need to talk about today. Uh, Pinero, he Missed a 45-yard field goal. He hit a 23-yarder in the fourth quarter, if that's like any consolation to anyone listening. And then Elliot Fry had the point-after attempt, and he also hit a 43-yard field goal. I may have missed a couple stats here and there, but I think that's about it. So what did you take? Do you, Are you going to really buy into stock up, stock down right now, or are you just taking this one game at a time? And, you know, Fry has the slight advantage now, but it's still anyone's ball game. I want to know after one game, where do you sit with the Bears kickers? Yeah, so the last time that I saw the Bears kickers attempt field goals in training camp, Elliot Fry was a guy who made more. And now we come to this game. Elliot Fry is now, uh, he made his kicks. Eddie Pinheiro obviously misses that 45, where it was a 45, 48-yard field goal. He missed it. And I don't know, even the, what was it, the 23-yard field goal, when Eddie Pinheiro kicked it, I thought that was just going to keep going left, but it stayed inside. Thank goodness it did, uh, because had that have happened, you know, now this there's this gap that starts to be created between the two kickers. But I think Elliot Fry has the upper edge as of right now because he's made his kicks. Uh, and now we got to see how Eddie Pinheiro responds. That's just kind of my take on it. Um, we'll see what ends up happening between those two. But I think Elliot Fry is not that he, he's not running away with this. And I don't want to say that, but he does have the slight edge. And when you kick that 43 yard field goal and get iced, that counts. People are going to remember that because yeah. did you see and hear how loud it got when he made that 43-yard field goal? Soldier Field, had you not looked at the TV and just listened to the reaction, you would have thought the Bears just won the Super Bowl or something. It was loud mm -hmm. to hear him make this 43-yard field goal because we all know what that that has done to us. So I think that, that 
people will remember that. So we'll see what ends up happening moving throughout the preseason. But I'll say Fry's got the upper edge. Uh, for anyone here on Periscope, uh, YouTube, or on Facebook Live, definitely throw in the comments who you think is going to win this kicking battle after uh, the very first week of Bears preseason. Obviously, I think Nick, uh, everyone would should probably agree that Fry has a slight advantage. I don't know how you would go otherwise right now. I'm trying not to overreact because you never know what's going to happen week two, but if we're looking at this as an objective first game, obviously Elliot Fry made the most of his opportunities today. We'll see what happens next week. Things could change, but as of right now, it's uh, you know not that it's Fry's and you know Pinero needs to earn it back, but kinda, kinda. Uh, anything else yeah. on special teams? I mean, punt coverage unit was poor. Uh, they were one of the best last year in the league, so I'm not really worried. I I didn't see them even practice punts or punt coverage too much in camp, so I really think it's just you know you're throwing guys out there. You don't really have these down pat and it's not even really your special teams players for the most part out there so i'm not worried are you worried about it because again they were like one of the best in punt coverage last year and i'm not really envisioning them taking a nosedive especially what we saw tonight yeah no they were god awful tonight to be completely honest but you mentioned a really good point there well they're just kind of throwing out everybody that is not usually not going to be in that backup or that special teams unit. And now they're being asked to, you know, block and stop the gunners and stuff or, or trying to go get the, the pump returner. So again, maybe we shouldn't overreact from that, but they were not good tonight. And you want to at least see them do a better job moving forward. Uh, the other thing too, uh, Marvin Hall was also punt re- uh, was the punt returner. I think that, I don't know if I even saw that throughout camp, I saw him getting reps at the kick return spot, but I think that's interesting to see uh, if you know they want to use Marvin Hall back there. Obviously, they have Tariq Cohen, who didn't play today, but just something to keep a note of. Wherever Marvin Hall can get his opportunity on the ball, I think that's a good thing for the Bears because he has that elite speed to make you know opposing teams pay. Speaking of Hall, I noticed that he was wearing an Oakley visor, and a few other Bears were as well, and they had like the orange Oakley like with the logo. I, I like it. I'm not. As a kid, I was more into uniforms than I am now, but I don't know. How often do you see Bears actually, like, doing, at least in the past, like, all these, like, bigger brands like Oakley and, like, visors like that? You don't. Usually they have, like, their own kind of standard. Or even in the past, I mean, I think they had, like, some weird ban on visors or, like, it took a lot for them to even have one. So to see some players out there, you know, spicing up that accessory game, I like it. And, again, Oakley's not a sponsor of the show. I mean, if you're listening to Oakley and you want to be, let us know. But I do like Oakleys. I know you do as well, Nick. And I just like seeing them wearing those visors out there. It's uh, stepping up the accessory game here in the preseason. Yeah, no, if uh, Oakley wants to jump on the band or, you know, the Chicago Audible bandwagon, I I love wearing my Oakleys and I love seeing the Bears wear them as well. So can we get this this ball rolling? More than welcome to. We'll have Fry kick it in instead of Pinero. How about that? There we go. All right, last segment of the show, Nick. Of course, it's our two-minute warning. This is where we wrap over our thoughts up on the game and discuss what's on our radar here for week two of the preseason. Nick, I'll let you gather some thoughts. I'll go ahead and jump right into my two-minute warning for you. Obviously, we didn't see a lot of starters today. A bunch of them on both sides of the ball obviously uh, stood out of today's game. So I'm looking forward to the possibility of getting a glimpse of them next week. Maybe we see Mitch do more than just hand off the ball. Uh, maybe we get to see some of the other weapons on offense and over on the defense too. Maybe we get to see some of the guys that you know we're accustomed to seeing. But overall, I'm not overly excited to have them have extended time. I think we know what we have on both sides of the ball. So for me, looking forward for at least the starters, got to find that balance of getting them into a groove, 
a rhythm, knocking off some game rust, but also keeping everyone healthy here for, of course, the regular season when some of these games actually count. Uh, looking at the rest of the roster that we saw today, obviously we talked about it all game long or all show long. Uh, good glimpses for some of the young talent of this team, uh, Ian Bunting, David Montgomery, Kareth White, uh, John Franklin III, a little bit of Duke Shelley, and then some older guys that you know you didn't really expect, right? Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Abdullah Anderson, really coming out here and showing out a little bit. So now it's time for those guys, if they want to make a roster, either this one, well, most of them will make this one, earliest practice squad, but some of these veterans, uh, maybe another one. Now is the time to build on what they did tonight and take it to the next level next week. And again, talked about kickers. Uh, just one last thing that we already said, but reiterating, just because it went one way today does not mean it's all over. Plenty of time for this battle to continue. Seesaw go back and forth. So don't make any rash judgments one way or the other. And overall, it really felt like the first week of the preseason tonight, Nick. It was a long three hours. I'm, re I'm, I'm thankful that it's over. Looking forward to week two, though. We're going to get a little bit more starters action. But more importantly, I'm ready for September to get here. So we can actually talk about some real football games. But Overall, I thought we saw some good glimpses from some players that we wanted to see from. Still some people that we want to see get out there, like a Riley Ridley a little bit more, Emmanuel Hall a little bit more, or at all. And then from there, of course, that's what the preseason's all about. So we'll get there when we need to. But over to you, Nick, for your two-minute warning. Yeah, two-minute warning here. I think overall we saw some good things from a lot of these backup guys, guys that are fighting for their – they're NFL dreams, right? Like Ian Bunting, and you have some of the guys in secondary, like John Franklin III. The kickers are obviously fighting for one spot, Elliot Fry and Andy Pinheiro. You want to see them keep competing, hopefully make plays, and try to solidify a spot on this 53-man roster. What I also want to see overall from the entire team is to limit some of these penalties. They had eight tonight for 58 yards. Not a lot of yards, but the number, again, First actual game in a very long time. Let's see him kind of clean up some things on the offensive, defense, special teams, and even like that we were just talking about the punt coverage unit. Even though it's a bunch of hosh posh guys just kind of being thrown in there, let's clean it up, make these tackles, and see if they can become better in this next game. But, yeah, just some of the individual guys, you want to see what a Kareth White can continue to do, especially in a crowded running back backfield. Riley really didn't suit up today. He's a guy that I definitely want to watch just because of what I saw in that last uh, training camp practice. He was able to get open, run some good routes. I want to see him go against other competition. And then defensively, continuing to create turnovers. There were two. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Today, and that's what you want to see out of a Chuck Pagano defense after taking over for Vic Fangio. So, again, the defense still being aggressive and being able to take the ball away. Overall, we saw some good. We saw some bad. It was week one of the preseason. It'll get better. Now moving on to week two, but I think those are the bigger takeaways from this game, and I want to see, can Fry maybe pull away in this kicking competition because that's how I would rather prefer this thing to kind of pan out. One of these guys just runs with it, and then we have our solidified kicker for the 2019 NFL season. All right, Nick, so we lost by 10 points. Are you worried? Oh, man, that is concerning. I don't know if the Bears are going to win a game this season. Losing by 10 points to the Carolina Panthers? 
Yeah, points do not count in the preseason. That is not a thing. It's funny when people kind of get a little alarmed that the Bears lost at a preseason game. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. funny. It is. It is. It really is. I'm, I mean, we talked about it last year, but the year they went to the Super Bowl, they lost all the preseason games. Last year they went, what, two and three in their five? It, I mean, it does not matter. Uh, my son AJ kept coming in, what's the score? What's the score? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not paying attention to the score. It was like 6 0. And he's like, oh, no, they're losing. And I was, like, really upset. I'm like, uh, I was trying to explain, like, it's a practice game. Uh-huh. And it's hard to explain that to a six-year-old because, you know, they're so competitive. They really want to make sure they win. So I think I got him square before he went to bed. But, yeah, uh, for those listening, uh, and if for some reason you're a little down that the Bears lost, don't worry. Uh, losses now. We'll get some wins when those games count. Uh, I will say this worry. one thing. Go uh, going back back to the Lions. When they won all their preseason games and then they went 0 and 16. Just had to, you know, knock the lines there just one last time before we wrap things up here. I think that's the perfect way to end this show, Nick. Good job. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, that's going to do it for this, uh, our very first post game show of the 2019 Chicago Bears season. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We will be back very soon. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago bear. Bear down, bear down, bear down.